0: Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this, dark, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains. that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Good morning, Edge City Church, how you guys doing? Doing good. Good morning. Good morning. Before I start, I want to just uh, welcome baby Nathaniel here for the very first time. and Jisha's baby son. Uh, can you re- raise your hand? There's somewhere. Oh, they're in the back out there. Can we give it up for them coming for the very first time back to church? So good to have you guys back. I want to welcome our guests with us, uh, those viewing online as well. Uh, my name is Finn. I serve as the lead pastor here at this uh, campus. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are are in a series called Letters to the Roman Jail, uh, from the Roman Jail. And um, today's our last day in the book of Ephesians. But next week, we're going to be starting uh, the book of Philippians. Then we're going to go to the book of Colossians and Philemon. So don't worry, the series is not over. But this is our last chapter in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Before I begin, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, we just come before you right now, Lord. We thank you and we praise you, God, for this day. Father, um, we just thank you for the ways that you have moved already during our time of worship. And we pray, Lord, for these next few moments. Uh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way. And just uh, move in a special way, Father. Lord, I just hide myself behind the cross uh, that you will be seen. I will just get out of the way. I just thank you and I praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen. So uh, for those of you who don't know, the book of Ephesians has six chapters, and we are in the final chapter today, as I shared. The first three chapters is all about Jesus. It is all about what Jesus has done, how Jesus has chosen us, and uh, the identity that he has given us, the power, the Holy Spirit, uh, all the good news that's in those first three chapters. The, the last three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, are all practical responses uh, to the gospel. Uh, how does it impact our relationship with other people? How does it impact our marriage? How does it impact uh, the way that we work? And so today we're going to see this invitation to say, hey, listen, this is a final encouragement. And he says, uh, finally, brothers, stand firm and fight. Understand that you are in a battle. I don't, ever, I don't know if you've ever seen that painting of like the footprints in the sand. Uh, basically, you find out that the footprints is Jesus's footprints and he was carrying you the whole way. And if you see that for the very first time, you can think, well, you know what? That's what Christianity is going to be like, right? It's just me and Jesus strolling on the beach together and Jesus is carrying me and everything's going to be great. And which is true, but then you also find out that there, the struggle is real because there is a battle as well. And maybe you're thinking, well, Finn, you know, you're just kind of hyping it up right now. Um, let me just say, Jesus actually shared with the disciples this. Jesus said, uh, there is a real enemy. His name is Satan and he has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that is the agenda for the Christian life. And just to give you a heads up uh, where we are, uh, if we were to zoom out on our reality, and if you believed in Jesus Christ and you follow Jesus and you uh, are a follower of his, I want to let you know that you have security. You have a confidence in your salvation. Satan, you see, cannot take that away from you. Right? The, the eternal life that you have in Christ Jesus because you are his and he is yours. But he can tempt you though. He can tempt you and I to blow up our life. He can lie to you in such a way that you will live your life after shiny things that, that is not eternal. Little trophies that are gonna be in the junkyard someday. He can tempt you and seduce you to pursue uh, sins, right? Instead of God's best and purposes for your life. And some of you guys are, you know, thinking, well, you know what, Pastor Finn, I'm just here. I wanted to hear a positive, encouraging, K-love kind of a sermon. You know, I'm in a happy and a peaceful mind. And here you are. You want to talk about a spiritual battle. You want to talk about Satan. Come on, man, right? Let's just zoom out for a moment here. Like, aren't society's problems tied to like political issues? Aren't society's problems tied to like social systems? Aren't they maybe tied to mental illnesses and bad parenting and maybe social media and all of that? And maybe you just have a running list of things. And the Apostle Paul is going to be really clear today that behind all of those, there's something else. Maybe when a teenager walks into a high school and shoots up innocent kids, maybe it's not bad parenting that we need to talk about. Maybe it's not, oh my gosh, there's violent video games. Maybe it's not policies and gun control. Maybe there's a demonic influence on that kid's life that has been whispering lies to him, saying to him that this is the only way your life is going to matter. And we should be aware of that, right? We should be aware of that. Some folks are saying, you know what? We're just really smart now. We're really sophisticated. You can't expect us to believe that they're believing this little guy with a red cape and a little horn out there, right? Well, I don't believe in the Hollywood version of that character of the devil that is portrayed, but Jesus talked about the devil, Right? Jesus was tempted by the devil, and the Bible repeatedly talks about how he fell from heaven, how he hates God, and right now he is warring against Jesus' church, us, his people. And so I just want to say, Christians, I think it would be foolish for us to say that the devil isn't out there. The great C.S. Lewis says it like this. He said this, there's really two ways that we can uh, miss this when it comes to spiritual warfare or the the demonic. He says this, number one, you can easily ascribe way too much power to it and become obsessed with it, right? Like, Like some of us grew up in the charismatic home where like, you know, when the car didn't start, Satan did it right? Like Satan didn't want me to get to my destination today. And so you got demons in the pistons, okay? And so we're going to have to cast those demons out, start stomping on the devil, get behind me, Satan. Well, okay. (laughs) Or maybe you just needed a new battery. Or maybe you just needed some electricity in your car to get that car started. Right, anybody with me on that? Or am I the only one that was praying demons out of my car? And honestly, when you take it that far, right, the bad theology there, though, is that when people fall into sin, and they will fall into sin, they will start to blame Satan for their sin. And as Christians know, like Satan can tempt you to sin, but you and I are responsible for our sin. And the other side of that is this. The other side of that is that we like to pretend that the supernatural isn't real. We're just like, you know what? It's just me and Jesus. We're together. And I know that I'm going to go to heaven someday. And, you know, I don't know about the other side of the equation, but we don't want, really want to think about the battle that we are in. And so we just pretend that we are living our best life yet with King Jesus, when in reality, you and I are in a war zone. You and I are in a battle. And so today, I just want us to be sober-minded in the way that we think about this, and and I think it would be foolish for us to dismiss it too quickly. And so that is what Paul is going to be talking to us about today. And so uh, one thing about Paul is this. Paul, he loves this church. He has spent years of his life teaching this church praying for this church. He has been just laboring for this church, and he wants to see this church finish well. And he wants to see the deposit on this church grow and multiply and just expand. And I think that's God's heart for our church as well today, that we would be healthy and that we would finish this race well. And so he's going to say, listen, church, you are in a battle, and so you need to understand that. So that's what he's going to say. Number two, um, he's going to say, God hasn't left you without armor and weapons. So what are those and how do we use those? And thirdly, lastly, how do, you ex- how do you experience those things? Okay, so you may ask, well, what's my hope for today? My hope is this, a couple of things. Number one, I just want to say that I love the Bible, Okay, I love the Bible because the Bible is so quick to just show us the truth. And the truth that we're going to see today is that your enemy is not the other political party, it is not social media, it is not the abortion doctor down the block, it is not the racist, it is not the person with a rainbow flag on their front yard. That's not your enemy. He's going to say that your actual enemy is not flesh and blood. You got a real enemy and he is deceiving people and he is taking people captive and he does have an agenda, right? But that's not your real enemy. And I want to help us see that because we're so quick to just kind of get angry. And I think oftentimes we miss the the battle that's happening behind the battle right? Behind what's behind that battle. And so that's first. The second thing is this. My hope is that I want this to be personal for us today. I've, I've been a Christian for many decades now, and uh, I can tell you stories of just people that I came to Christ with, people who I've seen get baptized, people who I worshipped with for, for many, many years. And now today, all those years later, Satan has picked them off. And not necessarily stolen their salvation, but they have just completely blown up their lives and they have fallen into sin. They have pursued addictions and rebellion and self-righteousness and just a million other things. And I can tell you stories of pastors that I once looked up to and Satan has tempted them with pride and power and just a domineering spirit. And they have just completely blown up their ministry and just the people of God. So I just wanna say that I don't know about you, but I know a bunch of Christians that how they started is not how they are finishing. And I wanna say that mourns me today. That grieves my heart. And I've also been around many Christians um, right here, some Christians from our very church as well, where I've seen just amazing saints that have wrinkles in their skin, have scars. I mean, they're they're just many years older than I am and, and you know, their hair is going, but I know but you know what they've been doing their whole life? They have been singing their way through every single battle. They have been clinging to the word of God. They have been trusting in the promises of the scripture, looking to King Jesus, not drifting from him or his church or his word but they are singing their way into glory. And that is what I want for our church as well. That is my hope for you and I. And so I want to show us a couple of things out of scripture today. The first one is this. It is, uh, Christian, be aware that you are in a battle. Be aware that you are in a battle. Uh, this is what's happening, verse 10 to, through 12. Let's read that again. Here's what it says, verse 10. Church, finally be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, put on the armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the super, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." All right, so first he says, church, listen, this is a battle and it's not going to be by willpower. It's not going to be by effort or your theological just correctness or your dedication to be a better version of yourself. But it is going to require strengthening from God. And Paul's talked about this all throughout the book of Ephesians, as we study this, that we are a people where God didn't just, you know, give us these principles for the battle, uh, math for the battle, just ba- a battle strategy, but he gave us the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of Jesus lives in here. And it empowers our church, the church, to live like Christ, to love like Christ, to resist temptations and to run from sin and to pursue holiness. The spirit of God is in the people of God. And that is good news. That is awesome news. Now, I don't know what season you grew up in, but um, I grew up in a season where uh, Rambo movies were coming out. Anyone remember the original Rambo? I love those movies. You see, for me, Rambo was my preferred version of masculinity, right? I mean, can I just say that right there? I mean, like every time you see Rambo, there's like injustice, there's like oppression going on and brokenness, and then comes Rambo on the scene, right? And and it's like, it's always like 16 Russian tanks and Rambo coming in with with a horse and a bow and arrow. And you're like, and who wins? Rambo wins. And so in my mind, growing up, in this narrative in my mind as a kid, whatever battles in front of me, in front of me, I am going to be like Rambo. I am Rambo. And I am going to flex on these fools, right? And then I find out that I am not Rambo. (laughs) Like, you, you don't, and I find out that you don't win the battle by flexing. You win the battle by receiving the supernatural power from God, day by day, moment by moment, to walk faithfully in the things of God. Amen? And he's saying, be strengthened. Be strengthened by the Spirit of God. I also want to say this. uh, This also means, church, that you don't have to fear your enemy as well because the spirit of God is strong in you. The same power that allowed Jesus to resist temptation from the devil is now in the people of God. And that is so important for you and I to know that. Number two, it says this, number two, he says, also, then your enemy is not against flesh and blood. Which is really interesting for Paul to be writing that because Paul literally is in house arrest at this time. He is jailed, he is jailed to a Roman guard and he knows what it feels like to go into town and to pray for people and to preach the gospel and to have stones thrown in your face. Right? He knows what it, what the physical feels like right, this man has been enslaved, he has been thrown into jail, right, he has seen the physical, he has experienced this in his flesh, and he says, church, your enemy is not Rome. He understands that behind the guy who is angry, the people that are angry that he is preaching Jesus, that there is a demonic influence behind that, right, that is captive of the devil's influence. And Jesus Christ comes on the scene. Jesus Christ says, I have come to set the captives free. And so for you and I today, because Jesus Christ has set us free from spiritual bondage, right? He set us free from all of that. It is because of him. And so our prayer is not, you know what, let's let's become Rambo and go crazy on these guys. But our prayer is that God would just set free those that are stuck in captivity and uh, stuck with the demonic and and listening to the lies of Satan. That is our prayer. Let me just say it like this. You, You might hear evil from a political party. You might see evil that is being promoted by a media company or a social movement. But behind that comes the whisper of a greater enemy called the devil. And by the way, a day is coming when the devil is going to be silenced once and for all. And that is when Jesus Christ returns right, as a victor. And so you and I need to know that you are in a battle. And so as I kind of zoom back, for for me... Um, I grew up in a charismatic background, right? Like I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And so we talked a lot about the devil, okay? Like all the time, it was about the devil. But some of you didn't grow up in that environment. And so I know that uh, the devil was never mentioned in your environment. And so I just want to give you a little bit of a history on where do we get this character, the devil, and so his actual story uh, of how he was created, of how he fell from heaven is actually in the Bible. So let me just give you a quick uh, devil 101 story right here. So the devil, uh, he, was, uh, he, was cre- he was an angel. He was created by God to serve God, to worship God, to know God. And then he became full of pride And instead, he wanted to be like God. And so he rejected God and he was thrown out of heaven with other angels to make up the demonic army. And so when you read the Bible in Genesis, in the creation story, you will see the devil disguised as a serpent in the Garden of Eden, tempting Adam and Eve, lying to Adam and Eve. And what is he attacking Adam and Eve with? He is attacking them with the word of God. Right, he is saying, did God really say don't eat from that tree? Did God really say that this is actually going to happen? Right, did God really have your best interest at heart? And he is lying and he is deceiving Adam and Eve. And then you go to the New Testament. Where, where do you see Satan in the New Testament? You see Satan tempting King Jesus in the desert for 40 days, promising him bread and the kingdoms of this world and making him all these promises and power. So this is him. We see him in the desert. And so we need to understand a little bit about the devil. You see, the devil, his power, it is limited, limited. He is not the same as God. You see, the devil is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. He is not able to be at all places at one time. He is not God. You know, but for some of us, we have it in our minds that Satan is on the same level as Jesus. I love the scriptures where it's in Luke chapter eight and where we see this, where we see Jesus encounter a, a man who was possessed by a demon and this man is running around in the graveyard and he is harming himself and no one can take this man captive and then Jesus shows up on the scene and he casts the demon out and he turns this man into an evangelist right? There is no demonic power that can flex on Jesus. Jesus has all power. He has cast out all demons. He has resisted all temptation, right? There is not like this cosmic battle that is going to happen, that is happening right now, and we don't know who is going to win. No, we know who's going to win. Jesus is the victor, and so that's the enemy. That's our enemy right there, but what is the devil's advantage over us though? You see, the devil has studied human history for thousands of years. And so he, he understands our pride. He understands our self-centeredness. He can tempt us with little lies that can pivot us off of following Jesus and being faithful to Jesus. He says It says in verse 11, it says that we stand, we gotta stand against the schemes of the devil. So what does that mean? Like who, who is the devil? He, literally that base word of his name means liar or slanderer. This is who he is and that is his scheme. Jesus says in John chapter eight, he says that the, uh, Satan, he is the father of lies, right? This is who he is, he is a liar. And so how can he come at, after Christians then? Like what are some of the schemes of the devil? There's this wonderful book by a a Puritan pastor uh, from the 1700s, uh, uh, his name is Thomas Brooks. The book is called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Strategies. And he boils it down to two things. He says this, Christians, if if you're going to experience temptation just like Jesus did, uh, it's gonna be temptations to sin, temptations to walk away from God. And number two, he says, you're gonna experience accusations from the devil. Revelation chapter 20, it says that Satan, he is the accuser of the brethren, right? That's, that's who he is. He is here to accuse. And so if you're trying to figure out, like, where is he going to come from? I want to give you very quickly four temptations and three accusations that you might encounter, okay? So the first one is this, the first temptation. Satan will bait you with a promise with short-term pleasure but he is going to hide the hooks right he will say that this will satisfy you but it's going to cost you nothing but it always does though sin always overpromises but always underdelivers the second one is this he will try to harden your heart toward god through pain and suffering Right? Like, why did God allow this to happen to me? If if God was good, then this would not happen to me. Number three, Satan will try to get you enslaved to sin by selling you what I call cheap grace. And it sounds like this go ahead and do it, go ahead and sin, go ahead and compromise, go ahead and break the rules. Do all that your heart desires because you know that God is merciful and God will forgive you of all your sins. Which is half truth, right, to that. Like, are all of your sins, past, present, and future, forgiven by Jesus? Are they covered by the blood of Jesus? Yes, they are. But are the earthly consequences covered by the blood of Jesus? No. There's real people who are forgiven by, in Christ, and you'll see them in heaven someday. But Satan has tricked them, though. And they have just blown up their life, their marriage, their home, whatever it is. And there's real stories that people you walk with because, you know, you're going to just, it's going to fall on you. And so he is trying to sell you cheap grace. Number four, Satan will say God's way will not work. It cannot work. And what he's going to do is he'll show you rebellious people and just show you that they are having these great lives. And he's going to tempt you to think that, you know what? Sin is working out for them. So maybe I need to do the same thing that they're doing because God is holding out on me. Because, you know, maybe when it comes to dating or sexuality, even though it is not in accordance to God's ways. And this happens all the time. Like the person that wants to get married, right? They're, they want to do it God's way. They want to be married. They want to find a spouse. And they think to themselves, you know what? It's not happening quick enough for me and so uh, you know, on my timing. And so what I need to do is I need to step out of God's way of dating for me. And I need to pursue my own way for dating. And so all that more, he'll try to tempt you to say, God's not actually a good gift giver. He doesn't know what's best for you. Come on. The next are three accusations that where Satan will, you know, just love to keep you self-focused. The three accusations that you're going to hear is this. Number one, you're going to hear the subtle lie that you are not enough, that your sin is too great, that your past is too messy, that you are too broken, that you are too dirty, And you know what Satan wants to keep all the focus on? On you. And you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to keep all the focus on him. All of his grace, all of his love, all of his beauty, all of his generosity towards God's people. And you'll hear this lie that you are not enough. Number two, you'll hear this lie that you are not doing enough, right? You should be reading more. You should be giving more. You should be serving more and praying more and going to church more and doing more. You should be more. And the reality is that he would love to just get you feeling regret and insecurity about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, he'll say this, Your continued sin and weaknesses is evidence that you are not a real Christian. Satan wants to create insecurity in your heart when it comes to your right standing with God. And he'll say, you are not a real Christian. Come on. Like, if you were, you wouldn't have all these struggles and all of these doubts and all of these long seasons of apathy. So why, you know what, why don't you just give up? Because you are not the real deal Anyway, all that to say, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build for you these little moments of lies and accusations that you have probably heard some of them, uh, if not all of them. Because I think when we think of this supernatural stuff, we think of the demon possessions that's taking place in the New Testament, right? Because that's what that is. And what I'm saying is that no, there's actually these little lies that Satan is trying to whisper and set before you that would cause you to pivot away from God and cause you to lose confidence in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so I wanna ask Edge City, where have we heard these lies? Where have you heard these lies that maybe you're too messy that you are too broken, that you are too dirty, that you are not enough, that God is not near, that God doesn't care about you, that he has given up on you. All of those are lies. And Satan aims to, again, he is trying to kill your joy and your confidence in Jesus. And so sadly, unfortunately, listen, I fall into some of these things. And I know many Christians that fall into some of these things as well. And so what Paul is going to call us to is say, Christian, actually, the way that we fight this battle, the way that we're going to endure is that you got to put on the armor of God. You got to put on the armor of the gospel. You got to understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so the second one he says is this Christian, be equipped with the armor of God. So let's read that, verse 13 to 16. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so what's he saying? He's saying, Christian, put on the armor of God right now, not later, right? Not when you get time later on, but put it on right now because you are in a battle right now. like. If you talk to soldiers who went to battle and conflict, and uh, they'll tell you that they go to sleep with their boots on. Why? Why do they do that? Because the enemy could attack you at any moment, not just nine to five, right? The enemy's not gonna text you, give you a call, and be like, hey, you, you, what, you want to fight after lunch? So why don't, we, what don't, we, why don't you finish up your Chick-fil-A and then we'll, we'll go and battle each other. Like, no, that's not how it works, right? You never know when the attack is coming your way. So keep your armor on guard. And so this is what he is calling the church to be. Understand that you are in a battle. Keep your armor on. What is the armor? He gives us six pieces of the armor. So let's walk through these here. So the first one is this, the belt of truth. So soldiers would wear this uh, leather belt to protect them in the battle. It is a belt that is one of truth. So who is Satan? He is a liar. What What does he do? He distorts the truth. He tells half truth. He tells partial truth. But who is Jesus? Jesus is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that that the truth shall set you free. And so what is the truth that we cling to here? Like we have a hard truth that we acknowledge and that we affirm here. And the hard truth that we acknowledge and that we affirm is that we are sinful and broken people apart from a holy God. We are spiritually dead. That's how we start off. We start off that way and this is the diagnosis of the scripture that you and I are not awesome and deserving of an applause but you and I are broken and deserving of hell and condemnation and that is a hard truth that we cling to and then we deal with the humbling truth that that, that the better version of yourself is not enough. The solution to move us from earth to heaven is not you going to church more. It is not self-improvement. It is not self-effort or self-promises or self-justification or self-righteousness that will bridge the gap between you and Jesus. The glorious truth is that God himself died in our place, taking on the penalty of our sin on the cross. And that is the glorious truth of the gospel. And this is the truth that we cling to, that this is our hope, this is our confidence, this is our joy that Jesus Christ has finished it for us. The atoning work is done. Jesus has defeated the devil through his death, burial, and resurrection. And by the way, Jesus, he is coming back and he is gonna throw Satan into the pit. In Revelation chapter 20 it says that that's that's how the story ends, right? It's not going to be a long battle. It is actually going to be a first round knockout, right? Night night Satan, night night. It's done. There it is, right? That is the truth and we wear the truth. We put on the truth of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Will you be lied to? Yes. And so we wear the truth. We put on the truth we believe. The truth. The second one is this: the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate would protect you from uh, the protect the soldier from some of the most important uh, uh, the uh, the most important things uh, the organs that the soldier has. Uh, the soldier would wear uh, the, this uh, breastplate over their chest. And um, by the way, what is Satan going to come after here? He is going to come after and say, you know what? Okay, maybe your sins in the past, they have been forgiven, but maybe you're not doing enough now to earn God's love and his delight. And in the heart of the Christian, oftentimes there's this wary insecurity that maybe God, maybe God got me in by grace, but I got to keep myself in by works. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Where the breastplate of righteousness, all of Christ's good works. His purity over your impurity, his obedience over your disobedience, his love for other people and your self-centeredness, all of his righteousness, all of his love, all of his grace, all of the righteousness in, of Christ Jesus and all of his deeds, good deeds are given to you when you believe in Jesus, so you got to put on his righteousness. So God the Father doesn't look at our busted up resume of all of our rebellion and self-righteousness, but he sees the perfect and just complete righteousness of Jesus Christ that he has given to you, not earned. And so some of us, you know, we don't understand what good news that is because we're still living week by week like it is up to you to impress a holy god with your righteous living when it has all been given to you when you said yes to Jesus so would you put that on and would you not believe the lies right when you're in the battle so put that on the next one is this it is the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel. So what is the gospel of peace? Do you know what you, were, you and I, what we were at peace with when we started our life? Like you, we were at peace with Satan and this world. And you were actually at odds with God. And so how do we get the peace of God? How do we preach the gospel of peace? What are the shoes of peace It means that God, creation and creator, was actually in conflict, right? And so Jesus Christ had to come in. He became the great peacemaker that reconciled us with God through his death and through his resurrection. And so you are no longer far off anymore, but you have been brought near. You are no longer orphans at odds with your father, but you are, have been adopted into the forever family. Ephesians chapter two says that Jesus is our peace. So you may have conflict in your relationship with your kids. You may have conflict in your relationship with your spouse. You may have conflict with a business person. You may have conflict with a neighbor, but you know who you are you don't have conflict with? God. You are at peace eternally with God. So don't hear the lie that there's drama or there's distraction or there's hostility. No, Jesus Christ has taken all of that. Number four, put on the shield of faith. The shield of faith protects you from arrows. Now, what is, you know, what, how, is it, how is this going to protect us? How does it do it? It is faith in the promises of God. It is by faith in the promises of God. Because you know what Satan's going to do? He is going to make you doubt the character of God, make you doubt the nature of God, the promises of God, your future with God. And, and so what protects you from those seasons, right? It is a confidence and faith in the fact that God is who God says he is, and he will do all that he says that he will do. And so here's some of the faith that we have in in the promises of God. Some of them are this, that he is going to bring ultimate, ultimate justice someday when he comes back, that he is going to root out all evil, that he is going to make all sad things untrue. That he is going to raise you on that last day. And he is even using the pain and the suffering in your life right now for his glory and for your good. And by the way, he protects you from Satan's attempt to discourage you as well in believing the promises of God. And so who is Jesus? He, Jesus is the one who makes promises and he keeps every single one of his promise to every single one of his people throughout all seasons of history. Jesus has never broken a promise before. And the scripture would say that all of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Will this not protect you? Will this not protect you when you get a heart diagnosis? when you walk through extremely difficult seasons in your life, sometimes the only thing that you have is not just a loved one nearby. The only thing you have is the promises of God that he will make whatever is broken, he will make it right. And I'm going to build my life on that. Number five is the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, which is the assurance of your salvation. Now, I have lived long enough, right, to know that your money situations can go up and down. Your friend group can go up and down. Your popularity can go up and down. Your relationship status with your own family can go up and down. Your relationship with your close friends can go up and down. Your marriage can go up and down. Your relationship with your kids can go up and down. A lot of things will change. You want to know what's constant in your life? Change. That is what is constant in your life, because everything changes. You notice no married person said uh, yes when I said the mari- uh, your marriage will change, right? Like, you guys just wait, all right? Like, I'll, I'll see one of my mentors, and um, you know, he'll ask me, hey, Finn, how's your marriage? I'll be like, man, my mar- our marriage is awesome. Like, we are crushing marriage. Okay, like, I could do a workshop on marriage right now. It's going to be awesome. Like, it's, we're killing it. The next time a mentor can re- reach me, you know, he'll check in with me, be like, hey, Finn, how are you and Bindu doing? i would be like, honestly, dude, uh, not good. <laughs> I'm like, I am a hot mess right now. Like, I don't know. Like, I left my clothes around. It was my fault. Like, I didn't hang out my coat when I came in. I bought the wrong milk. It wasn't organic milk. I, you know, She wanted almond organic oat milk, and I don't know. Like, there's so many milks out there. Like, by the way, ladies, there's just so many milks. (laughs) Like, I grew up on 2% regular milk, right? Now you got, like, all these milk categories, and I don't know. I got some milk. Anyway, it was my fault. It was the wrong milk. All that to say, all that to say, a lot of change. A lot of change. You want to know what won't change, though? your status with God. That will not change. Everything else in your life will change, but your status with God will not. And if you're looking at me right now, and you're just like, well, Finn, what if I sin? What if I blow it? What if I fall back? What if I do the thing that I told God that I would never do? Yeah, it's not gonna change. You see, God doesn't kick his kid out of his family. You didn't earn your salvation through your spiritual performance and you can't lose your salvation through your spiritual performance. So your confidence as a Christian has to transfer from, I am so committed to God, to trusting fully that God is so fully committed to his church because he has made a covenant with messy broken people. And Jesus said, no one takes them out of my hand. And how amazing is that? Number six, he says this, we fight with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? This is the first offensive weapon that we see that he's giving to the church because everything else was defensive. And so if you think about Jesus when he defeated Satan um, in the desert in uh, his attempt to uh, tempt Jesus, we learn a couple of things there. I mean, we learn three things, right? Three three times Jesus presents, um, Satan actually presents a temptation before Jesus. And Jesus, the living word, what does he do? He quotes from the scripture. He's like, by the way, that's not true, and quote from the word. And so the, the Bible is God's primary way of speaking to us of who God is and what he has called us to do. And so I just want to let you know that the devil, devil would absolutely love to keep you away from God's people and from God's church and from God's word. Because if the devil can isolate you and if he can lie to you and if he can mute the word of God in your life, then you are a sitting duck. Psalm 119, 11 says this. This is the way that the psalmist, he deals with the temptations. He says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so you might read that and you go, well, the word of God just tells you what are the traps there, right? Like tells you don't go left, don't go right, you know, just don't give yourself to these things, which is true, right? It does instruct you and that is really helpful. But you know what the word of God also does? It tells you that you have something so much more precious in the person and the work of Jesus Christ than anything that Satan could ever offer you, offer you, right? That he becomes a treasure in the field that is worth everything in your life, that he becomes the one thing that you and I want to build our life on. He becomes the one that you can't wait to experience his presence because in his His presence and in his word, there is life, there is joy, there is hope, there is security, and we have all of that in Jesus. The last thing is this. It is for the armor of God is this. Christian, be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. So um, posture matters in the Bible, right? What we see is that We're not just flexing on Satan here. We're not just walking around like Rambo, right? Instead, what Paul's going to model for us is to say, actually, your posture, it matters. We're prayerful, prayerful people. We're humble people. We are dependent people. And so our posture matters. Let's go to verse 18 to 20. Let's read that together. It says this, Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, To the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, so I love Paul here. He's giving the final instruction. He is like, you're in a battle, put on the armor of God, believe the gospel, and by the way, here's another thing, C- commune with God. Well, one of the things that you and I, we get in the gospel is not just the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but you also get access to God. The, the, the great gift of the gospel is not just you get some new church friends, which is good, but you actually get God, right? That you get to, he hears your prayer, he speaks to you, he communes with you. The next thing he says this, he says, Pray at all times in the spirit, right? That doesn't mean that, you know, just like you need some kind of like special anointing kind of for the spirit of God to pray down fire from heaven or anything, right? It just means that you need, you need to be prayed in accordance with the spirit of God and with the word of God. And then he says this, he says, pray at all times. So what, is, what does that mean? Pray at all times, like, Wow. That means that some of you guys, I know some folks over here, you guys are early morning prayer people, right? Some of you guys like to wake up 4 a.m. in the morning and you feel like that is God's chosen hour to do battle for the Lord. And others of you are here and you're like, nine o'clock, I finally feel like the spirit of God is filling me and this is my good time to pray. And I know that some of you guys who are 4:30 prayer people here in the morning, sometimes I know you like to look down on the nine o'clock people, right? And I just want to say that some of you who are 4:30 a.m. people, you aren't spiritual, okay? You you just got bladder issues, okay? Like straight up bladder problems, and and you wake up, you're anxious. You got to tinkle and you can't sleep. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I'm up anyway, so might as well just pray, right? And so I'm glad you're redeeming that time. But listen, don't judge the rest of us, please. Like, I'm trying to be like you, but mornings are just so rough for me, but I got to do better. But seriously though, what he's saying, he, he's saying pray at all times. Pray at all times. And I just want to model this for us before I close, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, before you even pick up your phone, because we know that there's a battle that is going to start your day, right? Acknowledge it, that God is real and that you are his. And say a quick prayer. Say, God, this morning your mercies are new in my life. God, I just want to say I love you. And I just want to thank you for the ways that you have pursued me and you have made me yours. Today, Lord, my primary identity is not how I work and not what I do. My primary identity is in what you have done for me, that I am your son and that I am your daughter, and that you've given me a new work to do. I'm a new cre- creature. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have actually given me a work. You have given me a kingdom post today. And so help me to serve as a light in whatever kingdom post that I am in today. God, I'm going to be around a lot of messy people today, and honestly, it is difficult to like them. But help me, Lord, to be patient with them and to love them the way you do. Whatever it is, a quick prayer, start your day. Then you carve out spaces throughout the day to do that as well. So as, as I'm closing here, I want to ask this question. Edge City Church, how are we doing How are we doing putting on the armor of God? Are you remembering the promises of God? Are you building your peace on your relationship with God, on the word of God? Are you finding joy in the reality that you have nothing to prove and nothing to earn from God, that you are forgiven, that you are righteous, you are accepted, you are loved? Or are you walking around anxious, Insecure, depressed, discouraged, because you're living like I wish I lived another way because of somebody else, because you're hearing these lies from the enemy saying that, you know what, look at your past. Look at your mess. Look at the present, what's happening. I want to invite you today. I'm asking you and inviting you. Would you put on the armor of God? as I invite the worship team to come forward, as I invite you to also close your eyes and to bow your head with me before we transition into a time of just communion. And would you put on the armor of God right now? Which is really my way of simply inviting you to trust in the gospel today, right? Trust in the gospel today. Because I I think the best defense against Satan's traps is the heart that loves and delights in God. You can't drag that kind of a person away from their treasure and their joy because it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Who is Jesus? Let me remind us who Jesus is. Number one, Jesus is one who was able to sympathize with those in the church Jesus is not an ivory tower theologian who just wrote theologically good books and, you know, he's hanging out in some hidden castle. Jesus is a king who came, who took shots, who heard lies, who experienced suffering, rejection, and loss. And so I want you to know that when you pray to King Jesus, he understands the way of the temptation that you're feeling. Jesus is not just our sympathizing king, but he is our victorious king. And I want you to know that you are in a battle, but the battle is already won. You know who Satan is? Satan is like that puncher who's already at the very end. The bell has already rung, the fight is over, and he is trying to swing one last time on that opponent. That is all he is. Jesus has defeated the enemy. Jesus Christ is the victor. So you're in a battle, but I want you to know that the verdict of the battle is not in question. Like the outcome has been secured by Christ Jesus, he's already won. Defeated the enemy, he is victorious, and we get to worship him today. We get to enjoy communion today. And so as I invite our worship, our communion, our church to come forward, as I invite you as well to just evaluate your, your heart right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to just hold back at this moment and you can speak to one of the leaders here after service and we will speak to you on more on exploring Jesus. If you're you're a follower of Jesus and you're entering into this table, let's create some space right now for the next 30 seconds if you could just talk with our Heavenly Father, present our shortcomings before Him, So let's do that for 20 seconds right now. The communion table is a reminder of God's sacrificial love for his creation. And Isaiah 53, five reminds us that Jesus was pierced for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought on him was given peace to us. By his wounds, we are healed. Communion is more than just a memory. It is a sign of Christ's living presence among us. And so partaking of this bread and this cup is an obedience to Christ, who offered the elements to his disciples, instructing them to eat of his broken body and drink of his shed blood. And because of God's great love for us, he gave his one and only son as a ransom for us all. It is only through the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ that you and I have been reconciled to God. So where sin, separation from God, and death enter the world through the first Adam, atonement, reconciliation, and eternal life have come through the second Adam in Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26 26 to 29. Uh, before I read, if anybody didn't get the elements, you can raise your hands and the ushers will come to you at this time. It reads While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. At this moment, you can peel off the top, you can take the bread, and you can partake. Then he took, the, took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many forgiveness of sins. At this moment, you can take off the cup. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, O Lord, for the ways that you have victoriously fought and defeated all of our actual enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And Lord, I wanna pray for our church today. God, would you strengthen our church to resist the temptations of Satan, that you would strengthen us and empower us, God, not to compromise and fall into the lies of this world. God, you've been so good to us and you've delivered people, Lord, from our church here, all of us, God. You delivered us from our captivity, from believing the lies of the enemy. And now we believe in who you are, God. And so help us, oh Lord, to be faithful people, God, that will stand, that we will not hide or retreat, but we will stand firm, clinging to the gospel, believing your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let's worship.